Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to episode 296 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. In a bit of a strange time, it's Wednesday evening, but in the middle of the All-Star break, it was a good time to record with a couple of days before the Braves' next game. And joining me, as he often does, is Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. Good to be on with you, buddy. Hope you're uh, hope you're able to get a, a little bit of time off here now that no. basketball season <laughs> is uh, is winding down. I don't know if I've talked to you since... Uh, your your Atlanta Hawks have had their season end, and then of course with the Braves have had not the best last week or so, but uh, plenty to talk about, and and it should be a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a subscriber to this podcast, you've probably seen all the content. There's been a flurry of audio content on this feed. Uh, on the positive side, a ton of draft stuff from Eric and Matt and Garrett and all the Road to Atlanta crew, three podcasts in like a three and a half day span that are still on this feed right now. So we got out of the way basically during that, and that was why we didn't do a regular Sunday night show, but they've they've killed it. So listen to all of that, catch up, subscribe, etc. cetera. Uh, my last podcast episode <laughs> was a solo show, unfortunately, to react to the Ronald Acuna news. So I promise the listeners we're not going to spend too much time on just lamenting the absence of Acuna, but because you were not on the on that recording with me when I did it first thing in the morning on a Sunday, and I was probably half asleep. Um, thoughts, Scott, on the, uh, on the on the loss of the best player on the Braves roster? Yeah, so I was driving out to San Diego. For those who don't know, I'm in Arizona, so it's about a five or six hour drive, and I am driving out in the middle of absolutely nowhere on Saturday afternoon. And within about five minutes, I got three texts unsolicited, unsolicited from friends saying, oh, man, that Acuna injury looks bad. <laughs> and, of course, I'm, I'm going 85 miles an hour down the highway and cannot look at my phone to see what on earth they are talking about. Um, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking for Ronald. Uh, it's, it's a brutal blow for the Braves' chances this year. We knew that if they were going to uh, make a comeback in the second half of this year, it was going to be difficult to do, and they were going to need all hands on deck, especially with the injuries that they've already suffered the first couple months of this season. Uh, to lose Ronald to that is is heartbreaking. You sure hope that he's able to make a full recovery and um, and get back to his elite level. But, man, it, it just sucks. Uh, a kid who is so universally beloved by his teammates and his and, and players around the league, it's, it's a loss for the game of baseball as a whole. And uh, we can only hope that with some rest and rehabilitation and everything goes well with his surgery, that, that he's back at some point early in 2022 and, and can help carry this team as he's done uh, this past year. 
Yeah, I think it was, you know, it's obviously brutal. And I talked about that on the solo quick recording that I did. And uh, I was encouraged to see sort of the outpouring that was during, you know, it was the all-star game and all that stuff. There was lots of talk about Ronnie and how brutal of a loss it was for, for Atlanta. Everyone sort of acknowledges that this is one of the top five, you know, faces of baseball right now. And in addition to him, you know, being fun and all that stuff, he's just an awesome player. And uh, it sucks. Uh, obviously and it, leaves, it leaves the Rays with a massive hole that we'll get into a little bit later on in the show. But, uh, obviously that cloud is still hanging over everything now and the Braves have only played one game since then. So it's kind of, not that it hasn't hit everybody yet, but we haven't had the, uh, pleasure let's just say to watch the Braves without him very much uh that's going to be setting in a lot beginning with when they return to action on Friday so uh at least wanted to start there briefly we'll get away from that now and we'll probably come back to uh that kind of stuff but I want to give you a chance to weigh in since it was uh I was not going to call you at 4 a.m when I knew you were on vacation uh to record that to record that uh, I appreciate you Brad there you know you I'm here for the pod but that would have been bad for I think all parties involved yeah on vacation and all uh just for the record um Ronnie said that he was disappointed and sad, of course, and vowed to return, quote, stronger than ever. And then he put maximum effort in with the rehab. And Snicker called him arguably the best player in the game right now. Uh, you know, that's uh, encouraging to hear. Obviously, Snitz kind of never, not never, he's not always been, like, glowing over the top about Ronnie in the way that some manager might be about players. So yeah. I was encouraged to hear him say that, even in uh, dire circumstances. At any rate, we'll move on. Um, usually we would go through the games uh with some depth, not crazy depth in the regular season, but we, we, we usually get to all of them. I will say this, we're not going to do that on this podcast just because it's been a few days and also last week was kind of maddening. I will blow through this now very, very quickly. Uh, they lose the first two games in Pittsburgh. And they got smoked on Monday, last Monday. And then the Tyler Matzik implosion happened a week, a week ago Tuesday. That was not a lot of fun. Then they got a little bit hot. They actually scored 12 runs in a three-inning span to beat Pittsburgh. And they won three in a row, Scott. But of course... Yeah. As they reach 500, they cannot, cannot, will not go over that mark. So they had to lose on Sunday to fall yeah. behind. So that's the short version of what transpired. And now they go into the break one game under 500, and they still have not been over all season long. It was, I don't even want to call it poetic justice because it's such a cruel way to end the first half losing Ronnie. But all year long, it's been a theme. It seems like every week, you and I and Eric have talked about how this team just seems to fall a few games below 500 and then they get close to 500 and it finally seemed like the stars were aligning and they were going to have some real momentum going into the second half of the season, especially after uh, losing two out of three in Pittsburgh though, if they finish strong in Miami and what happens, they get to 500 on the day that uh, Ronald Acuna tears his ACL and is out indefinitely. Uh, it was kind of a fitting way to wrap up just a miserable first half. We of course know all of the injuries, the off-the-field incident with Marcelo Zuna. Um, and really, since day one, this team has never been at full strength. There's always been some kind of injury. There's always been some kind of hiccup that's held them back. And even without those, I think this team still had a chance because of how good Acuna and Freddie and Ozzy and, and all those types are. But, man, it was just the one thing that couldn't happen to close out the first half. And of course, unfortunately it, it happened with Ronnie's knee and uh, it, it just sucks. It's, it's going to be a real blow. And um, it, I guess it was a fitting way to end a very disappointing first half. Yeah. They, you know, you sort of allude to it there, but they already would have been fighting an uphill battle, um, which we've chronicled quite a bit. And the numbers tell that story. The projections tell that story that we'll get into a little bit later too. But even with Ronald, 
uh, again, one of the five best players in the league, uh, even with him in the middle of the lineup, they would have been uh, f- had, they would have had some tough sledding ahead potentially with the schedule and the hole they dug them for themselves. And then you you take away a guy who uh, was on pace for like an eight win season, and you take him out of the lineup halfway through the year and replace him with guys who have done Yeoman's work, uh, guys like you know Heredi and Almonte who have like been okay in their role, but they're not Ronald Acuna. And now you do the math as we'll get into, and uh, it's it's going to be tough, let's just say. Um, as a way to get into a little bit of broad stuff, I'm going to just pose to you uh, the lineup that they used in Sunday's game, the only game that they've played since <laughs> since Ronnie uh, was out. And this is, you know, obviously, it's a little bit cherry-picking because it's, it's only one lineup, but uh, we'll get into some players along the way here. And I asked a question on Twitter that I'll ask you as well, but here's the lineup that they used on Sunday. It was Adrianza leading off and playing in the outfield. Freeman, Albies, Austin Riley, um, Arcia, who we should talk about in a second, um, playing the outfield as well, uh, Dansby, uh, Heredia, Kevin Smith, and uh, and the pitcher spot. So essentially, the way that I described this was, this is basically two star-level guys in Freeman and Albies, at least coming in, coming into the year, we'll say, just, just to make it as, as broad as possible. This lineup would have been these eight players, two stars, Two guys that you would have projected as like reasonable starters, and that's uh, Swanson and Riley, and then four guys that I, I personally would have described as replacement level. Um, you, you can you can talk around that. Maybe you're a little bit higher on sure. on RC or whatever you want to say. But if I told anyone that f- these four individuals would be in the lineup at the same time, uh, Adrianza. Arcia, Heredia, and Kevin Smith, you would have thought the world ended somewhere along the way, and that happened. So the question that I asked on Twitter while you were on vacation, Scott, is if you assume average pitching, how many wins do the Rays have with this lineup? I, I tell you nothing else other than, okay, their average pitching staff, this lineup, oh. what number – I got all kinds of responses, but what, where, where would you have landed with just the, just these, these eight guys as a projection? Yeah, I mean, goodness. 70 72 wins i mean that that's if if i would have told you this was going to be the lineup the day before the all-star game back in march when we were doing the season preview pod like like you genuinely would have thought like something crazy happened like well, like a crazy I, bad I, I, I didn't COVID. know i didn't yeah. know who kevin smith was uh that's yep. that's for sure and rc <laughs> was not was not in the organization at that yep. point um same with uh, all these guys so yeah it's yeah obviously i mean it's it's crazy i mean you you talk about just everything this team has gone through, and maybe this is a good podcast, but you lose Acuna, which was the nail in the coffin. I guess it's not mathematically over by any means. We'll come back to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Weird things can happen, but it's not looking great. Um, But you know, you have Freddie Freeman who is very good. Of course he hasn't quite been the insane level that he was last summer, but nobody expected him to, but you lose Ozuna after what a month of the season you lose Travis Darno two weeks into the season, and maybe he comes back by August. Um, you know, Ozzy Albies has been very capable, very good, and that's to be expected. But you know, other than that, Austin Riley was out of his mind for about half of the season, and he's been, frankly, pretty not great the other half of the season. Uh, Dansby Swanson is kind of who Dansby Swanson is, and then you know, as you just said, Kevin Smith and. Um, and the other fill in, you know, spin the wheel and pick your outfielder of the day. While they've had a couple moments, these are not, you know, legitimately good big leaguers by any means. So it, it, it's been tough. And, and hey, maybe some some fun second half storylines will emerge with these guys. But 
it's just hard to overcome so much that this team has, has underwent in the last three months. Uh, you, you mentioned 72. That was a number that I think was like near the average of the responses I got. I saw some high 60s. I saw some people that were more, you know, more in the high 70s to 80. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what the lineup was in 2017 when they finished 72 and 90. Yep. Um, their most prominent lineup was essentially uh, they had the Flower Suzuki combination, which actually worked out very very well at catcher in that in that season. Then they had Freddie. Uh, Brandon Phillips was a prominent member of that infield. Uh, wow. Rookie, rookie dance. Well, I guess second year dance be a rookie, rookie dance be. He was not great. Um, Adonis Garcia, uh, Matt Kemp, uh, good ender, but still not a great hitting ender, but obviously the, the, one of the better versions. And then Marcakis, um, that group with worse pitching, to be fair, that group came up with 72 wins, even with Ozzy coming up yep. and being good when he came up um, against Suzuki and flowers being incredible. Matt Adams had a great season that year. Um, so there were some there were some bright spots, but uh, that's the kind of team you're looking at basically with this kind of group. And no one's saying that they're actually going to finish that badly this year. I mean, they, I guess they could, but um, it's just a reminder. Like the lineup, the big mm. the bigger point is that the lineup they have right now, at least until guys like Darno can maybe come back, it's it's fairly dire. I mean, they could get hot mm. for a little while. Again, sure. guys like Heredia and Almonte have done a solid job. They've actually been playable in a way that. Um, has been fortunate. I mean, if you wanted to paint the picture, you talked about how things have gone wrong, and they obviously clearly have. But uh, I, I would tell you that there are several players on the roster that they have gotten more than you would expect from um, sure. at times. Like, for instance, uh, you could argue that maybe Austin Rowie's given you more than you expect on the whole this year. I would definitely yeah. tell you that Heredia, Adrianza, and Almonte have all been better than you would expect them to be. Yep. Um, so it's not like it's been a complete disaster on the supporting guys. It's just all the high-profile injuries and uh, the Ozuna fallout and all that, and Soroka and all that stuff. So um, I'm going to use this as a way to get in to talk about the guys who are remaining as we get into the second half. Before we get to that, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Scott, um, 
I want to hit a couple. Not, not going to go through the entire roster, but I'm going to start positive because God knows it's going to be a fairly negative show today. A <laughs> uh, couple of guys who actually finished the first half hot that I want to make sure I at least highlight. One is Freddie. You talked about how Freddie's not been him quite, quite as good as last year. That's definitely true. But he's actually scalding right now. Uh, the last 17 games, Freddie, uh, his OPS is over 1,100 with three homers, six doubles, and 11 walks. Like, he's now kind of been that guy again. Not, you know, that's obviously, you know, three weeks or so. But it's good to see him, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders. And also, this is probably overrated, but he seemed like he seemed to be having a great time at the All-Star game. And Freddie was not having a great time yeah. early this season. So maybe that's a little bit of that. He did an interesting interview recently, too, and um, with, I believe it was Jeff Schultz, and has been a little bit more open. I have no idea. Uh, contract stuff's that's for another day right now, Scott. We'll talk about Freddie's contract <laughs> another day. But he has been yeah. very, very good yeah. lately. He has, uh, you know, nobody could have expected Freddie to be as as out of his mind as he was last summer for those two months. But um, you're right. Early in the year, you, you never know what's going on off the field for those three hours uh, when we see Freddie. But yeah, he he just he he just didn't look right. He didn't look like himself. I don't know what it is. I know he has three young children at home, and and that probably plays a little bit of a factor in being away from his family. He's he has talked about that quite a bit over the last year and a half uh, with everything going on in the world. But, um, yeah, Freddie is, as we know, whenever he is, especially when he's going right and using the whole field the way that he does, he is um, as good as it gets. And, and you mentioned his numbers, uh, an OPS above 1,100 over his last 17 games, hitting for power. He's he's walking and getting on base a bunch. Uh, so, yeah, good things from Freddie, and, and he will certainly be counted on even more so uh, moving forward yeah they have to have him be incredible which isn't fair to him but it's that he's gonna have to be incredible and actually now if you look at the full season numbers they were on the lower end of his prime like his prime basically has been the last you know nine seasons it would be one of the shakier seasons of that nine but no longer is it the worst like for until about two weeks ago he was having his worst season since he was like 23 years old basically and now his numbers look like they normally look last year was the outlier and then it was incredible but they basically look now like he has 19 homers, 88 games. He has an OPS, you know, of like 870. Like he's still, he's obviously been a borderline star player this year. He's a star player in the aggregate for sure. But recently he's been incredible. So I want to at least mention that. Uh, gives you some hope that maybe he can, maybe he has a tear in him to kind of carry their offense for a while here. Um, another guy who. But it's much more divisive. Uh, I tweeted a stat about him today, and we'll come back to that in a second. But Dansby Swanson has been good lately. Uh, that's a controversial statement, but I promise you it's true. Uh, the last seven games before the before the break, he had five multi-hit games. And now, this is the stat that I tweeted out. People got mad at me. I was like, I just presented the numbers. No no, no agenda. He now has a 99 WRC+, and he's on pace for 2.5 F4 this season. So Dansby Swanson, suddenly, after the first half of the season, looks like a league average starter again. Uh, welcome back, Dansby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. It's amazing. I, I think we know who Dansby is. He's he's effectively been the last three years. He has run incredibly hot and incredibly cold, and there's really no middle ground between the two. It seems like it's he's either on one of these tears where he seemingly has four hits every single night, or he's in a stretch where he is one for his last thirty and striking out in fifty percent of his at bats. Um, that's that's who he is. Some guys are just more streaky than others, and um, yeah. Hey, if, if Dansby wants to have a really good second half, I I've been critical of him, and I I, I have some concerns about the increased strikeouts and um, 
you know, his low on base percentage. But hey, if, if Dansby wants to prove me wrong and and uh, and show me up in the second half, I would I would happily have that happen. Yeah, people took it as me like caping for Dansby. I promise you that was not the case. I, I was more surprised when I saw that suddenly he was back to basically being a league average hitter for the season. That actually stunned me having watched him all year long. But I guess you know that one hot week can kind of carry you a little bit. And when you factor in the defense, projected to be two and a half wins is not like gonna shake the ground. But if that actually happened, um, you'd have a hard time like you know really piling on him the way that people kind of have this year. So. I was surprised too, and it wouldn't stun me at all if he went, you know, oh for his next thirty. I have no idea what's happened with Dansby. Um, right. Uh, the fact that they actually also the is kind of at a bad time. Like you, you kind of want to ride those streaks with Dansby, and now he's had, you know, a week off basically. Not ideal for that, but uh, we'll see what he can give them. I, w- I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned that. Um, one, more, a couple more things actually. Uh, we haven't talked about RC on this podcast much. Uh, obviously, we, th- we talked about when they acquired him. Uh, he didn't play for a long time. And then he had a nice start. So in seven games, his OPS is 860. He's had some nice moments. And um, there was lots of talk about how he was like going to come in on his steed and save the offense, which made me laugh a little bit just because this is not piling on, but the numbers are what they are. Like in 1900 plate appearances in, in his career, that's not a small sample size. He has a career 71 WRC+. Plus. Uh, and he'll be 27 in a couple weeks. So it's possible. And in fact, like he was a top flight prospect that has to be said out loud. He does have talent. But, you know, I, I have a hard time ignoring what he's been in his career yeah. um, versus seven games. So he might help them. No question about that. But I had to kind of roll my eyes a little bit at some of the coverage he was getting uh, of like, oh, they have this like they were treating him like he was Drew Waters or something like this, like guy who's going to maybe get hot and save them. And it's like, well, he used to be that prospect, and now he's 26, almost 27, and has never hit really ever. Yeah, I mean, it, you always hold that hope, right? Like, you you know those success stories it could in baseball. Yeah. Not everybody has to be a star when they're 22. and but, but you're right. I mean, the numbers are what they are. He was not very good in Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee effectively gave him away. I, I know the Braves gave up a couple of relievers to get him, but... Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's fun to watch. I'll give him that. I mean, he swings every swing like it is his very last swing. I he agree. Is, <laughs> he is not looking to go the opposite way for, a, you know, a soft little single over the second baseman's head. Uh, he is trying to hit everything 500 feet, and uh, I'll take that all day long. He's He is entertaining to watch, and right now, just given the state of the roster, even if he is a – even if he is – close to an average hitter and, and can hold his own defensively in left field. He hasn't been challenged a ton out there yet. Um, you know, why not? There, there's just not much else on this roster right now who you could play over him. And um, if he's fun to watch there for, for the next couple months or weeks or however long it is, uh, sign me up. Yeah. I mean, optimistically, after I painted that negative, and I, I know it was a negative picture, but I, you know, that's kind of how I view things a lot of the time. Uh, I will say this, his best season in the majors was last year. So if you wanted the evidence that maybe he's just getting better, that would be part of it, is that he was almost the average hitter last year and kind of a small sample size like everybody was, but he was a decent player last year for the Brewers. And on top of what we said about him having that that, that pedigree, I think he does, while he hasn't been as good this year and as like guys like Almonte and Heredia have been um, for this season, I think objectively he has more upside than the Adrianza, Heredia, Almonte Trio. Would you agree with that? Sounds, sounds like you do. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Guillermo's been really good this year, and he's just fun as hell to watch with yeah. his pink, 
pink pirate sword, so I would keep playing. <laughs> that, okay, that was incredible. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. That was absolutely. I, I didn't mention that on, uh, on the podcast so far. Can we? Does he just carry those around? Like, what's going on with that? I, I want to know. I mean, was he like walking around a mall one day and said, "Oh, <laughs> let me get these swords for the boys tonight"? Like, let's, yeah. He, and he's always screaming. Like every time the camera pans to Guillermo in the dugout, he's like screaming at somebody. He's having fun. Uh, he, he's he's a lot of fun. Yes, I, he has been by far one of the best parts of this whole year. Um, to answer your question, yes. Like, I, I think I would take him over Almonte. Um, Adrianza really hasn't been very good after the first couple weeks of the year. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I, I think you you certainly play Arcia over those guys and see what you get. I mean, you never know. For every for every guy who doesn't work, you do have a uh, Max Muncy, of course, famously changed his career when he was like 29 years old. I'm not saying that Arcia is going to be a, a, an all star level player for the Braves for the next five years, but. Um, I would. I'm with you. I would. I would roll that that dice and see if there's anything left there, especially in the second half that um, has the potential to have a lot of games that just don't mean a whole lot. Yeah, the the potential. I, I don't want to back us into a corner. Like they're not. They're not gonna. They're not dead. We're not. We're not. We're not calling them dead. But um, you yeah, know, it's uh, I, I think RCA's upside is cons- is considerably higher just based on the pedigree. So roll them out there. See what happens. Um. Last thing on the lineup that I want to mention uh, is that there was a transaction at catcher last week, and it was Contreras going down for Jonathan Lucroy, a former like all-star level player in Lucroy. He's not that guy anymore. Um, Contreras, I though, always, yeah, in his prime, I always he was awesome. John, I always thought he was going to end up on the Braves too. It was just one of those guys, like him and Mike Mustakis. Like I was convinced they were going to be on the Braves one day, and I guess it happened five years too late. But it is what it is. Yeah, Lucroy. I believe was like a top five MVP finisher one. Yeah, he was. He he was he finished fourth in the MVP voting in 2014 with the Brewers. So like that tells you he led the league in doubles. He had 53 doubles in a season as a catcher. Wow. Yeah, he was he was a hell of a player. That's unbelievable. Ago. Anyway, um, he's not that guy anymore. But long story, it's the story really is uh, is Contreras. So while I think everyone knows Contreras has has a real bat in the future potentially, uh, the last month. He has a 505 OPS. That's OPS, folks. Not slugging, not OBP. OPS for 23 games. It's not a huge sample size, but if you're wondering why he went down, that is that is why. He just kind of yeah. stopped hitting completely, and the defense is not incredible anyway. Um, do you like this approach of like just letting, letting him go play every day in AAA? Are you okay with this? Like, What, what was your reaction to that? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm a fan of, of Contreras's. I think, as you said, he certainly has a future in this league. Um but yeah, he he was someone. Even though he had glowing reviews at the alternate site last year, I know Mark Bowman said that he improved himself more than maybe any other player in the organization last summer at the you know the, the team workouts on the taxi squad. Um, he was somebody who was probably impacted by the COVID shutdown more than your average prospect. I think the younger guys will be okay because they were still years away. You know, last year, Contreras should have gotten 600 plate appearances between double and triple A. And frankly, he was, I mean, if, if Darno doesn't get hurt like he did, I don't think Contreras sees Atlanta at all this year, maybe gets called up later. So um, it's not an excuse for him. He was good early on, and, and then his approach kind of went out the out the window a little bit. But yeah, let, let him get right. You don't want the kid to get too, um, you know, in Lost. his head a little bit too yeah. much. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I think it's the right move at this point. And 
hopefully he's able to come back at some point, whether it's this year and spring training next year and make a real impact. Cause I think he could be a, a very special player. He, he just needs a little bit more time. Yeah. There was a relatively optimistic update from Snicker about Darno um, him coming back in August, you know, August is a full month and we don't know what, if that means August 2nd or August 31st. Uh, I don't know what that means, but August is at least a target for Darno. And, you know, he he will help them. As much as we thought he was probably going to cool off this year, uh, Darno's baseline is a, a lot higher than a lot of the guys that, that they have in the lineup right now. So he would be a huge uh, sort of shot in the arm if you can get him back. But in the meantime, uh, the catching platoon of Luke Roy and Smith is uh, bottom of the barrel stuff. As much as we've talked about how low the, the catching baseline is in the baseball, it's been one of the themes of this podcast, uh, that's that's below the baseline. It's... it's uh, Luke Roy in 2021 with Smith is uh, not going to get it done. Yeah, that's very bad. The yeah. days of they, they will make the Kurt Suzuki, Tyler Flowers tandem look like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig out there. Yeah, basically. Um, all right, let's get away from from hitting and do some pitching stuff real quickly here before we get some, uh, some projections and a bit of a look ahead later on in the show. Uh, Ian Anderson might go on the IL. We're recording this Wednesday night. There was like some open discussion on Sunday about him going on the IL and that has not happened as of this recording. He has some shoulder inflammation. Uh, when, when they talk about that kind of stuff as openly as they do, I expected that to happen. I kind of still do. Um, that's a problem because they need Ian Anderson to be good. And, um, he has had some shoulder stuff in the past, which is not what you want. Um, I don't have a takeaway from that. Just wanted to make sure that we mentioned it because, uh, they need the pitching to be, the pitching has been good by the way, lately, which we'll get into in a second, but Anderson's a big part of that. Yeah, I think you have to take every precaution and some with someone like Ian Anderson, a guy who figures into your long-term plans so much. And anytime it's a shoulder injury for a, a young pitcher, you have to hold your breath a little bit. Let's hope this being his first full season in the majors, it is just a little bit of wear and tear and inflammation. And maybe they shut him down, even if they want to shut him down for longer than the, the standard 10 days or whatever it is. Um, I, I would be good with it. I think you have to protect that asset as much as you can, and hopefully it's nothing major. Yeah, that's the hope. You know, shoulders are tricky, and you never want to, you know, you don't, you don't want to panic, but it's not a, not the greatest sign in the world. Um, elsewhere, though, the pitching has been fairly decent. You know, for example, starting pitcher ERA this year is 4.05, which is not great, but that's 14th in the majors. That, like, you, you, you can get by with that. Um, bullpen though is in the bottom 10 uh, 4.58 uh, we'll start with a couple guys in, in the rotation uh, Charlie Morton has been the guy they signed recently he's up to uh, over two fangraphs war in 18 starts he's on pace for you know three and a half basically uh, that's totally fine he has a sub three ERA in his last 10 starts uh, he's not like a top 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 guy but Charlie Morton has been as advertised basically for the full season yeah, and he's he's just fun to watch. I mean, he, when he gets in a groove, he throws strikes. His strikeout rates are really, really good. Um, as you said, he has been full stop the guy that they paid all that money for um, last winter. He started off a little slow, and uh, we you know we talked on this podcast even early on in the year when you know a start for him wasn't going great. It was really just one bad inning that would do him in, and then he was fine the rest of the way. Um, he's been very good. It's it, be interesting to see what happens with Charlie over the next two and a half weeks, and what his future holds. But he has been outstanding lately, and by far and away the best on the team. Yeah, and that's kind of there's not even a, like a huge takeaway there. I guess we will save most of our 
buy sell stuff for the next couple shows after today. Um, one of the big debates is whether they should sell on Morton. I think they're going to wait until closer to see where they are in the standings. But um, at a minimum, he has been good this year, and that's all you can really ask out of him. Uh, Drew Smiley, podcast favorite. Uh, has a sub three ERA. He has a two point seven five ERA in the last six weeks, Scott. I'm gonna every time I tweet Drew Smiley's name, I'm gonna tweet Drew Smiley, comma podcast, podcast favorite. favorite. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you should oh. listen. It might be smoke and mirrors. Like his peripherals do not support a sub three ERA, but six weeks of solid production from Drew Smiley. <laughs> uh, no complaint. And by, by the way, this is crazy. His ERA is more than two full runs better than Max Freed's in the last six weeks. Yep. Drew Smiley has been full stop better than Max Freed for six weeks now, which is insane. Yeah, he's, he has been better. Yeah, uh, for sure. He, I mean, there were there was times early in like April and May, it was like, goodness, are they going to have to pull this guy from the rotation? Like, it was bad. I mean, we, we uh, talked about it. Like, he, he had maybe one or two more like blow ups, and it was going to be, he, you can't pitch him anymore, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You, you fake, you know, you, you say he's on the injured list with a groin pull or something like that, and you send him to the Gwinnett for a month and see if he can figure it out. Um, he has been better. Maybe uh, again, I know <laughs> we're if it's not obvious by now, we're intentionally not trying to make this a trade deadline preview because we'll save that for later. Time. Listen, yeah. I mean, there, um, there's plenty of time for that because yep. I know it's only two weeks away, but that is the only topic. And I get it. But if that's all we talk about for the next three weeks, like, you know, yeah. It'll get very redundant in a hurry because you could talk about everybody and it's going to be the same conversation. And, and uh, honestly, to be fair, we'll get into this in a second, but I personally think that how they play in the next 10 days will impact it on some level because if they're, if for some, you know, if if they go on a run here again, that's not maybe not, maybe not likely, but if they're suddenly, if they're two games back, they're not going to sell everyone. They're just not going to do that. I, I don't think so. We'll save that for later as a broad, but a lot for better or worse, you can argue against this process, but I do think that the results of the next two weeks will dictate a lot of what they do. Well, and as a good housekeeping note, it's a good point. I wanted to bring it up, and I see it here. Um, the upcoming schedule is very difficult. It is. They open up with the Tampa Bay Rays, who somehow just continue to get better and better every year. Tampa Bay is very good. Then they get the San Diego Padres, who are very good and very talented, and um, uh, that that's not going to be an easy series. And then you have nine games in eight days, against the Phillies and the Mets on the road. The Braves cannot seem to beat the Phillies in Philadelphia for whatever reason. And uh, the Mets are getting healthier and and have given the team problems at at times this year. Um, And then you're facing the Milwaukee Brewers, I believe is who the Braves will face the weekend of the trade deadline. And the Brewers have been the best team in baseball for the last like six weeks. So go get them boys. Uh, No no pressure. It's it's not easy. I mean, they needed to kind of make the run before the break and they didn't really do that but uh alas so yeah i I, it's interesting to see what they're going to do but that can't be the only topic so one thing i wanted to say broadly about the pitching as much as i picked up i picked on max free who has struggled recently um in the last 24 games i pulled this stat today the Braves have a team ERA. This includes the bullpen. And by the way, it's about even on the stars in the bullpen. So the bullpen's been pretty good, too. They have a team a, a team ERA of 3.48 hmm. in 24 games. Now, that is like top five in the league. That's borderline yeah. elite awesome, which kind of flew into my radar a little bit. But I guess I buy it after looking back. The problem is the staff probably isn't 
as good as that number is in real life, given where they are right now with no Soroka, etc. And they only, quote unquote, only went 14 and 10 in that run. Now, 14 and 10 is is good. Uh, that's not yeah. like a bad a bad number, but the schedule was easier than it's going to be for a while. And when you pitch like that, you need to win more than they won in that 24 games, especially when you're already digging a hole before that run yeah. game. Yeah, and again, I mean, the, the one silver lining or saving grace is that as we record this on, on the All-Star break, um, if the Braves were in either of the other divisions in the National <laughs> League, the season would be over. It would be like, over. Over in big letters, O-V-E-R. Um, but the Mets are not great. I mean, they're 47 and 40, which is fine. Um, but they have injuries. We'll see if they can ever get their rotation healthy. Um, the Phillies are basically the same team that they have been for four years now. The Nationals looked like they were going to make a run and then had some injuries. So because of that, the Braves are still in it. They're only four games back um, in the standings, which is not bad by any means. If they were fully healthy with a roster ready to go, I would say, all right, bring it on. I think they have a decent chance. But because of everything going on, um, it doesn't seem likely. But as we've said a couple times, it is certainly not over. And who knows what the next couple weeks, maybe they'll come out and surprise us and and go 10 and four over the next two weeks and, and turn this into something to watch in the second half. Yeah. To your point, they would be um, 13 games out of the league of the national league West right now behind the giants. Oh. Uh, they're 11 behind the Dodgers um, in the same division. They'd be seven and a half out of the central um, with the Brewers playing. And that's what the Brewers was in the last three games before the break. So yep. yeah, the, the NL East, which was supposed to be arguably the second best division, maybe the best division, um, in the National League uh, has been the worst by far, and <laughs> that gives them sort of the open door. So that's a good place to transition. Let's get into some projection systems now. This is not everything, but I want to throw some data at you and tell you where they are. Now, these these projections don't all take in, into account the Acuna injury. That's something I have to say. I mean, maybe they do, and they don't, but they don't, they don't release their formulas. So Fangraphs, I think, does because they talked about it on the podcast that I, that I heard. But they have the Braves projected to finish 80 and 82. That would be eight games behind the Mets and two behind the Phillies. They have the Braves with about a with about a seven point nine percent chance to make the playoffs. So not dead, but very very unlikely. Um, Five thirty eight. I'm not sure about this one with regard to Ronnie, but they have eighty two and eighty, which is still four games behind the Mets, uh, a twenty percent chance to make the playoffs. And then Sportsline, um, which is the CBS gambling outfit. I actually this is proprietary information, but I do do some work for them, so I actually have the data, which is a uh, Breaking news here, folks. Anyway, um, it definitely does take Ronnie's injury into account. I, I confirmed that today. Um, but they have the Braves at 81 and 81 without Acuna the rest of the way, which is six games behind Ooh. the Mets yeah. and three behind the Phillies with about a 12% chance to make the playoffs. So long story short, the Mets are projected widely for like 87 or 88 wins by these systems. And if you assume that is – going to win the National League East, or at least a reasonable projection to win the National League East. Scott, the Braves have to finish 44-29 and to get to 88 Hmm. wins. So 88 wins does not guarantee you by any means a playoff spot, by the way. That's just a reasonable, like, maybe that would be enough to win the National League East or at least tie the Mets. 44-29 and is a 98-win pace for a full season. Yeah. And... Given what we said before, before I let you uh, interject here, given what we laid out before about what's the, what, what the available roster looks like, um, that I think we can all agree that on paper, the available yeah. talent for the Braves is not a 98-win team. 
It's not. And I think maybe this, you know, maybe this is uh, <laughs> too down the road, but I think it's an interesting point to bring up. At some point, you have to ask yourself, what is the importance of winning these games in 2021? Because on you just you just listed off all the percentage chances. It sounds like they have maybe a one in 10 chance in winning the division. I think that's high. I would probably put it around five ish percent myself. Um, but is it worth keeping Charlie Morton? Let's say that the trade deadline comes and they're five games back of the Mets. On paper, it's tough to give up, right? Like, you know, it's tough to give up when it's only five games. It's baseball. You have two good weeks or even a good series against the Mets. And all of a sudden things look different, but is it worth hanging on to Charlie Morton? If, if teams are willing to pay a, a premium to get him for two months, plus the postseason, or if a team wants to take Will Smith and maybe Will Smith isn't a great closer, but he could be a really good eighth inning guy for a contending team. If, if you have a chance to better the future of this of this franchise, when you know it is very unlikely they make the playoffs. And even if they do, I mean, what's what's the upside here without Acuna in the playoffs in the postseason? Um, you know, is it worth hanging on to some of these assets if you can better the team for 2022 and beyond? Uh, that's easier for us to think and talk about because we are not the ones trying to sell tickets. We are not <laughs> yeah. the ones thinking about uh, the long-term financial picture of this team. But I, I do think it's worth bringing up because there will be, again, not to turn this into the trade deadline preview podcast, but there will be assets and teams will call if they haven't already started calling Anthopolis asking about these these players that contending teams are going to want especially when it's a team that, as you just said, the starting pitching has been pretty good lately. Pitching is always at a premium. There, there's usually hitters available at the deadline and you don't have to pay a ton for them. Uh, pitching forever has been the key at the trade deadline. And if you can get some assets for 2022 and beyond, I think it's at least worth looking at. And maybe these things will work themselves out over the next two weeks and the Braves either go 12 and two or they go two and 12 and it's, it's just much more apparent, and that's, of course, something we just don't know. But I, I do think that's a point worth bringing up. Of I, I would rather think long-term here than win a couple of silly, meaningless games in, in September for a, a year where it's just not going to happen because of all the injuries. I'm glad you said that because I generally have the same thought process. Like, if we're being realistic, even if they were to get hot in, like, a 2005 Baby Braves kind of way and make this, like, you know, improbable run to win 88 89 games win the division that would be fun I mean I would enjoy that uh but you know the upside of it like the meaning of that is interesting as sort of as a talking point and how much they value selling tickets the rest of the season how much they value the faint chance to make the playoffs because even the biggest optimistic Braves fan would tell you that they're not favored to make the playoffs. I mean, you might say 25% instead of the 5 or 10% chance that you've said, or the other systems might have 15 or 20, but no one's saying 51% right now. Like, I don't think anyone, no, no one could say that given where they're given, given the roster, given the injury to Acuna, given the deficit against the Mets, even if you don't believe in the Mets, which is a totally reasonable opinion, they do have a multi-game advantage here. And it's not just the Mets either. They have to also beat the Phillies and they have to also beat the Nats. So anyway, with all that said, it's an interesting discussion, and there are always dynamics in play. As much as I'd like to believe that 
winning baseball games is all that matters to the decision makers involved, we know that it's not the case. I mean, we know that they have to worry about selling tickets and yep. um, we know that there are business, business things involved and uh, also personalities and also, you know, real, real people involved as well. That's sure. always a factor. Um, one thing I will say is that of all the guys that you would consider selling on, I, I think I am very confident they can get something for Charlie Morton. Even if you wanted to be a pessimist on the rest of the available guys who are expiring contracts, take Freddie out of it for now. But like your smileys, your, you know, whoever you want to say, hmm. Charlie Morton would have value. Like there's almost no oh, doubt about that. He would have good value. So I mean, I, yeah. that's, that's, that's the guy. Number one, like, if you're talking about like, he's the great, he's the number one example of the decision. Really? It's like, do you trade Charlie Morton on? He's on, he's on a one year contract. He's old. He's not, he's not part of your long-term future. That's the example A, B, C of what you would be thinking yeah. about. Now, I will say this. I, I didn't realize this until right now when you were talking. Uh, did, did you happen to know who the Braves play in the series before the trade-up on? It, uh, it is the New York Metropolitans. Yes, for five for games. For five games. So basically, yep. and this it's not, it's not this simple, but now that I know this and I've seen this, I will now be stunned if they make a decision before that series is over. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's probably fair because if you win four out of five, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, you start to get some good mojo. Maybe a good trade or two comes your way. You know, if you can make incremental upgrades without mortgaging any kind of future, then then do it. I mean, especially if they're signed beyond twenty one. But yes, I, looking at it now, it's funny you say that. So that series. They play five games in four days. It starts July 26th, and it wraps up on Thursday, July 29th, which is, you know, a day before the deadline. At 12-10, by the way, that Thursday game is a uh, getaway day. Yes. Yeah, and there's a doubleheader, so you're guaranteed to see Jacob deGrom that week. Um, it's just, I mean, honestly, you and I wouldn't think about it this way, but if the Braves are within 10 games when that, when that season starts, when that series starts, there is the faint hope that you just go out and win all five and save sure. your season in that in that thing. So, it's it's on one hand it's fortunate that they play them there because then then the season like could literally swing on that series. If you go in that series and you lose four out of five and suddenly you're nine games back, maybe you do turn around and sell because the season's over. Whereas yeah. if you win four out of five or you sweep them or something crazy and you're within a game, they're not selling and we know we all know they're not going to sell. Right. So that's an interesting. Dichotomy. They, as you mentioned before, they do have that tough schedule before then, so it could get ugly before that even happens. Yeah. But uh, yeah, five with the Mets the last week of July is a pretty wild circumstances, <laughs> given, given where they are right now. Well, and and then you talk about all of the other things at play. This is not a black and white issue of do you want to win games or are you building for the future? Right. There's all these other elements and layers, um, but on the public relations aspect of this all and not that you want to make baseball moves or, or any kind of sports move based on public relations. Um, yeah, like it, it, it matters though. Kind of no, it, it absolutely matters. Yeah. Um, it would be difficult if the Braves win four out of five games that week in New York and the Boston Red Sox come calling saying, Hey, we're going to offer you this really good package for two months of Charlie Morton. It's a little bit of a different ball game than if the Braves have lost 10 out of 13 and they go one and four against the Mets to wrap up that the month of July, that is a much easier press release to hit send on. Yeah. Uh, which again is not the ultimate deciding factor, but I think it's a factor. It is. It yes. just is. And you, you hope that these things kind of play themselves out a little bit. Yeah. And a quick rundown here, you know, 
Yes, Freddie's a free agent, but put Freddie aside. Uh, Morton is a free agent next year. Uh, Smiley is a free agent next year. Travis Darnot is a free agent next year. Chris Martin is a free agent. Uh, Shane Green, who has struggled mightily, is a free agent. Um, they have some guys who are expiring. Um, yeah. In addition to guys that aren't expiring but like aren't long-term, like Will Smith could be an interesting trade guy. Um, yes. he's, he's under contract for the following season, but if he actually was a guy that a team might want, you might sell on that. So there are players. Like No one's saying that they sell everybody and you know tear the whole thing down. Like They have enough young talent where that's not – what, this is not a, a decision about like starting a rebuild. That's not what the Braves would be doing here. Um, whereas I, I know you and I covered a rebuild. Uh, it was a long rebuild. Um, but they have enough enough young talent now where it's not press the eject button no. like, like it was with that Justin Upton team where they actually did just decide they were going to rebuild. They're too good to do that. It's just more of like this season's a lost season and now we're going to recognize that and pivot for next year basically. Yeah. It's it is it is a good opportunity to hit the reset button, not to turn this now into a look ahead to 2022 and beyond. But it is you have an outstanding young core. You have to cross your fingers and pray that Ronald Acuna makes a full recovery, and he certainly should given his age. Um, you have Ozzy Albies, you have Austin Riley, you have a handful of good young pitching. You still have some pretty good depth in the minor leagues. It's not like you're talking about a system that has minimal talent and they just traded away their entire top 10 to, you know, go all in for a couple of seasons. Uh, the window is by no means closing, but I, I do think this, this off season and really this next couple of months is a really good opportunity to take a step back, hit the reset button. Um, you have very little money committed next year and it could be even less so depending on what transpires over the next couple of weeks. Uh. Yes. There is an opportunity to not let this thing get off the rails. No. And that, of course, requires good, uh, whether it's a trade or, or a free agency and, and all that. And again, that's a conversation for another day. But this is not a team that there are just a million red flags on the horizon. And it's like, oh, my God, are they going to have to rebuild again? Uh, no, they, no, they won't have to do that. And I've seen some there's been some talk. And of course, fans are an emotional group and it's, it's easy to kind of get lost in the sauce a little bit, but um, there are still some really good things about this franchise right now. And it might just require a little bit of a pressing pause and then, and then reimagining things a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we will not do any more on future stuff right now. I do want to ask you one question about this season uh, and I'll, I'll set it up. So you have time to think about it. I'm going to ask you for your win projection, knowing the following. The Braves are 44 and 45 right now. Uh, you know the injury situation. You know that Ronnie's out for the season. You know that Darno might come back at some point. Um, Soroka is not going to come back at some point. Ozuna is a giant question mark. I have no idea what's happening there. Trade possibilities, schedule, projection systems. I set, set all of that up to ask you uh, where you think the Braves end this season in mm. terms of – I know it's impossible to do this because sure. a lot is dictated by what they do at the deadline, but um, – average it all out for me like for instance like the i think the consensus projection is basically like 80 wins yeah. in the systems right now 80 and 82 which is essentially playing the same that they've played so far this year which might seem a little bit optimistic with alacuna um sure so i i will answer first so that you have more time i would i would land hedging it all out with the potential to sell potential to buy they could still buy which i don't know if i would but that's possible 
I would <laughs> say something like 79, 80, yeah. something like that. High 70s, maybe, maybe as much as 500. But, I, you know, barring some, I mean, there are outcomes where they win more than that. I'm not, I don't want anybody to hear us more pessimistic and not understand this. We are acknowledging this. Like, they, they can, it's, this is baseball, man. You can, you, they can get hot here and finish with 84 wins, and I will not be surprised, like, at all. Sure. But projection is not the same thing as possibility. So I said all that to give you more time. Scott, wh- <laughs> where would you land? That's a that's a pro move right there, Bradley. Hosting. Um, yeah, it's uh yeah. It's without having the crystal ball to know what happens over the next two and a half weeks. Um I, I think I would be similar to where you're at. I would say maybe seventy eight wins. I've always thought that the last couple of weeks for teams that are not involved in the playoff hunt are just kind of meaningless. Like was it twenty sixteen where the Braves were like thirty games out of first, but they won like 16 out of their last 18 games in order to, you know, to feel good a little bit. There's also teams that are out of it in September and they just, they truly don't care anymore. And they, they just get blasted and they go five and 25 over their last 30. Um, I, I don't know if we'll necessarily see either of those extremes, but no. if I had to put a number on it, I would say that it's going to be 77, 78 wins. Uh, they have a very difficult schedule coming up. They also have a very lengthy, actually, they have two lengthy West Coast road trips remaining. <laughs> your, still, your, your wheelhouse, Scott. That's, yes, that's for you. That will be a absolute joy to let's let's hope that there's something to still get excited about. But they still have to go out west. They still have to play the Dodgers. They still have to play the Padres. Uh, they still have to play the Giants. I believe they still have uh Quick math here. They have 21 games remaining against the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants, who have three of the five best records in baseball. Um, yeah. That, that, that's going to be tough. Um, they also have significant games against the Mets, who you know will be buyers at the trade deadline. Um, even the Phillies might buy. Yeah, so there's there's not a whole lot of um, – it's not as if they've played the league's most difficult schedule and they have a bunch of games against the Pirates and the It, it and is the It is a little bit to be uh, – I will try to – uh, you know me. I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. Um, yes. I will I will point out that they, they actually are like m- more middle of the pack in schedule strength the rest of the way just because they play like your Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, and, right. and and the Orioles. Like, they do have yeah. some really, really easy series as well, which kind of balances, but uh, in, in practical terms, I agree. especially early on when the decisions have to be made in the yeah. next couple of weeks is when the schedule is uh, at some of its more challenging. Like, like, the Rockies are terrible, for instance. Like, they, have, they go, they, but they go, but to, you, what you're, to your point, they, go, they have to go to Colorado, like, as part of a long road trip, and that isn't always fun. Like, even though yeah. the Rockies are not good. Yeah, it's going out west for East Coast teams has forever been a challenge, right? Like it's it's just not an easy thing to do. So because of that, I think if this team was a little bit healthier, I think there'd be some reason for optimism. And it is certainly not over. Maybe this team will surprise us here over the next couple of weeks and and go on a run and, and make for a, a really fun storyline to watch over the the second uh, you know the second half of the year with minimal expectations, especially after losing Acuna. It could happen. It's baseball at the end of the day. Who knows what's going to what's gonna happen. But um, it, it's it's just one thing after another with this team, just <laughs> unable to get healthy. And, of course, uh. as, we, as we've said on this podcast almost verbatim, the one thing that, that cannot happen is lose Ronald Acuna or Freddie Freeman for any extended period of time. And, of course, they, they lose Ronald uh, two days before the All-Star break is – 
it, it, for me, it's going to be tough to overcome, but maybe maybe we'll be wrong and, and some magical things will happen here. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely built a roster this year that was reliant on a handful of guys. Even if you want to go beyond Ronnie and Freddie, um, there are five or six guys that they cannot afford to lose. Um, those guys are the two number one examples. But then you go into like Ozzy and Charlie Morton, I think, and maybe like, you know, one more pitcher, Ian Anderson, maybe like are like on that list of guys that can't afford. And honestly, you would have maybe said Ozuna coming into the year. And uh, Ozuna's not around. Uh, Soroka's already out. And now you throw in, the best player yeah. on the team. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes it just doesn't break your way. So it's not over by any means. We don't mean to say that it is. Uh, it's just worth acknowledging the reality that this team has not been very good this season, and now they are worse on paper than they were a week ago, uh, which is not what you want. So uh, with that rosy picture painted, Scott, uh, <laughs> thank you for joining I, me I on think the podcast. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair. I mean, ask yourself this. It is. I mean, it's not. It's we're not. Worth, we're not trying to be negative. Yeah. It's just the reality. Like they're not. Yes. Look at the. I mean, there's a reason why I set this up this way to go through the the lineup from Sunday and just like line by line, like the the current available talent is just like no one would have picked this team to win the division with yeah. this roster. No one would have done that. No. I'm sorry. It's just they and, wouldn't have. And without Acuna, if by some chance they're still in it and you say, well, they should, they should add, they should, they should buy, they should try to make a move. You know, I would argue that because just the unlikeliness of something really good happening in 2021, you know, it kind of takes away a little bit of your player pool for who you could trade for. Um, You're obviously, unless the team is just giving them away, you're not going to trade for a player with an expiring contract for 21. No. And even a player who signed through 22, like Joey Gallo, for example, you know, the likelihood of him really paying dividend this season for the cost you're going to have to pay is is not great, right? Like, why, why trade for a guy if, if a third of his time is going to be on a team that doesn't make the playoffs? And then who knows where you're going to be next summer. I think there's there's opportunities to make those changes in the offseason. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know the is the is the uh, theme of this podcast, but no, I don't know. I uh, so. I, I know that we'll probably get some people that are mad at us for being negative, but I, I, we're we're not trying to be. I promise we're not. It's just when when you're already not playing very well and your uh, superstar eight ten win player is out for the season, uh, it's just not a lot of uh, excitement to be had. But hey, if they come out of the gate and sweep them the Rays this weekend. Uh, fire up the machines, baby. We're ready to go. Uh, so <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, so it's just a podcast planning. I'm not sure when we'll do another episode. It'll be it'll be soon as it always is. I'm not sure if, if we'll come back this weekend on our normal slot or not. Maybe we will. Um, but there's been so much on the feed recently. Again, I want to shout out the Road to Atlanta guys for recording three times in basically three and a half days. Um, it's been busy. So there's plenty of plenty of audio content here and the Braves don't play again until Friday. Nothing's going to change between now and then. So uh, I don't know when, but the best way to find the podcast would be to subscribe to the show. And we'll have at least, I would say two more episodes between now and the deadline, which is the deadline 16 days from now. So two more episodes coming, maybe even more than that, depending on what happens, but I can promise you to uh, Scott, anything you, you have going on in the world other than your Phoenix Suns playing in the finals. <laughs> love my phoenix suns and my atlanta hawks i'm bi-coastal brad you know that um no thanks to everybody for for tuning in we we really do appreciate your support um you guys are the reason that we do this every week and, and yep. multiple times every week at that so thank you for tuning in and 
hey, even if things don't go as well as we hoped in the second half, continue to tune in. It really, really helps us out. And hit the subscribe button. And um, yeah, Brad, it was good to be on with you, and, and I hope all is well. Yes, sir. It's mid-July. We're uh, we're out here grinding away, and the season res- resumes on Friday. It, it's always weird to not have a baseball game on every day, basically. And like tonight, for instance, like last night, All Star game tonight. There's basketball on for me, but no baseball. And then tomorrow, there's one game, and it's, it's Yankees Red Sox. It's like, all right, well, I got, I'll probably watch yeah. it, but it's on. It's uh, it's kind of nice with the NBA Finals being delayed this year. There's something uh, on. Usually, yeah. <laughs> usually, this is infamously the the worst sports day of the year. Like is today. Yeah. yeah. Usually, the day after yeah. the day after the All Star game in baseball is the is the day where they're. Uh, well, for me, I'm usually in Las Vegas covering summer league, and there's summer league basketball, but that's not actually games that count. So yeah, usually there's just nothing. And there was a massive sporting event tonight that's actually happening as we're talking. So, yeah, it's yeah. usually maybe maybe it's tomorrow instead with only one baseball game and nothing else. Maybe it's Thursday. Yeah. It's done. yeah. Usually you turn on ESPN and there's like tractor racing and professional cornhole on and you're like, oh, okay. Well, what, well, actually, isn't it isn't, usually, isn't it usually the ESPYs, which I never watch, but isn't it, isn't it usually the ESPYs on the on the, on oh. the Wednesday? Maybe it is. Maybe, is it? Maybe. That, that, that would make sense. Or I think the X Games or the Something X Games like still the thing. At, I, any, I, at any rate, there's, uh, there's stuff to watch. So, Braves return to action on Friday. Uh, Tampa Bay and San Diego for six games in a row. And they are good at baseball. So, let's drop in. Thank you, Scott, for joining me. Again, one more time, subscribe, rate, review. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And we'll see you all next time.